artists and musicians, we know when we're being bullshitted. Mm -hmm. So I have so much respect for a comedian or an artist uh, or a musician who's gone out and said, hey, fuck, I just played to the bartender and two guys tonight. And like, that was shitty, but like, this is the gig that I played versus someone who would play that exact same gig and be like, oh my God, packed house tonight. Yeah. Thanks so much everyone for coming. It's like, no, we can tell by your like weird grainy photograph over one guy's shoulder that no one was there. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it like doesn't delegitimize you as an artist to admit sometimes when, oh fuck, I slept in my car. Today on the show, we're joined with the wonderful singer and songwriter, Brooklyn Doran. Brooklyn just released a new song titled, Fuck That Guy. We love it and you should listen to it because I think you'll love it too. I see it popping off on all these awesome Spotify playlists. And overall, Brooklyn should be somebody who is on your radar. I can't say it enough, this was such a wonderful talk. From hearing her backstory to getting super introspective about life, this conversation has everything. I, I believe we even trail off and talk about video games. So much fun. And I remember immediately after I stopped this recording, I was just full of good energy. And, and yeah, I can keep talking about it, but why don't you listen to it? I think like for the past few years, you've always been one degree of separation, but I've never actually met you. Uh, uh, I, know. I, used to, I used to be uh, sponsored by this bar uh, that did a bunch of podcasts and you actually did a live set there at uh, Pacific Junction Hotel. It, was, it might have been like four years ago or whatever, but you were on my buddy's show and uh, that's when I first heard about you and I became a fan, started loving your music. And then I find out like very recently, like one of my best friends does the artwork for you too. She did the, the fuck that guy single, Maria. Yeah, Rio. Marie. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I do all of my co-writing with Dan as well. So yeah, that's amazing too. Yeah. It's very small world. And she does uh, the art for my podcast too, did the logo and everything. So yeah, it's so crazy. <laughs> that's so sweet. I love that. I love Marie. Yeah, me too. So shout out to Marie if you're listening to this thing. But yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, you got the new single out. Uh, it's totally awesome. And actually, it's funny. Um, today I recorded another episode with somebody, and we were talking about how sometimes great art is spawned by like shitty situations. And oh that's yeah. Obviously, from the title, it's something like that. And uh, and how does it feel to like uh, maybe like take a moment or an experience and turn it into a positive that people could connect to through music. That's true. I think for me, this song was born out of a co-write. So it was a really interesting process of being able to meet up with folks who could imagine themselves in a certain situation, myself being able to imagine myself in a certain situation. I've had a lot of very bad relationships in my life and it was cool to connect with someone else and pepper in specificity from my own experiences, but being able to feel like the song was born out of a collaboration with someone who had either felt like he was that guy or had experienced having a person be that guy to them. I think it's good. Yeah, very relatable. And even um, though it's like kind of like a perspective of somebody who got fucked over, I even noticed like with uh, my lady friends when they're feeling down and they got fucked over that like that's the saying I they like when the, when they're like venting to me, I'm always like, fuck that guy, you know, right? it's like fuck universal. <laughs> so I... It's true, because usually when a relationship goes downhill and it's either a messy breakup or someone cheated or maybe even something like a little bit more serious or damaging than that, I think that to me, the better form of revenge as opposed to going out there and, and saying something to them or doing something that like messes up their day. I feel like that revenge feels so much sweeter when you don't even lift a finger and they just continue to be an asshole to everyone else around them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like you kind of just watch them self-destruct and scramble and maybe they, they're they hoping for a response though. And like sometimes like, yeah, silence is the best weapon. In most cases. Right? 
obviously in some cases you don't want to be silent, but in, mm -hmm. in other cases, I feel like it's pretty powerful to take back the power in a relationship, to take back that feeling of, hey, I got this. I'm great. You're a piece of shit and I'm great. Yeah, and the song yeah. is really like add it to your breakup playlist and listen to it when you're sad yeah and there's definitely types of people too like uh, from my own relationship experiences where they're trying to argue for the sake of arguing and i find mm -hmm. that method of just chilling just <laughs> wins <Right>. the, the, like <laughs> this situation you don't even want to be in with it too like in the first place Oh yeah, very much so. I think sometimes get not giving mm -hmm. someone the thing that they want is the best way. Mm -hmm. Most so definitely. if you're looking for a fight and you don't give them a fight, then you're already winning. Yeah, and another thing of like taking the power back almost through art. Uh, I talk to a lot of comedians on the show as well too, and sometimes they'll talk about how some of their best jokes has spawned from like the lowest points of their life, and almost like turning it into like something they can make fun of on stage totally like reverses it and it's almost like the biggest like overcoming of whatever that situation is now it's like fuck you i turned it into art and maybe i'm making money off this or are you making a song off of like it's so cool that totally yeah yeah i feel that i feel like for me i'm a really naturally happy and bubbly person but i almost ex i have one or two but i almost exclusively write sad songs wow. and i think that writing sad music or writing ballads or writing that more down tempo stuff helps me just get that out so that i can continue to go on in my regular life as a happy person yeah that sounds like it makes like a, a healthy balance of things too because like we're all human and like we have these emotions and even people see me as all like a kind of a bubbly guy too but I tend to like bury my anger <laughs> and like yeah. but but like with art and expression too it's like you can release stuff like that in a in a healthy way I think so yeah think most definitely good. yeah yeah I kind of want to go back in time too with you and uh kind of hear you a bit about your story um okay. when did you um get compelled to just kind of jump in and be a mu musician? Ooh, well, I started singing in choirs and playing saxophone as an elementary school student. I got my very first saxophone in grade six, I think. And I've been playing the saxophone my whole life. Saxophone is not featured on this track, but I have a couple other tracks where I play saxophone. So that's oh, my cool. very first instrument. And then I picked up the guitar when I was 15. I was a French exchange student. So I went and lived in France for three months. Oh, wow. A pretty, and yeah, and a girl from France came and lived in my hometown of Kenora, Ontario. Um, they chose my town because it's a very small town, but there are a lot of bears. And her one true dream in life was to see a bear. So we drove her out to the dump and she saw a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are like trying to not see bears. But... <laughs> oh yeah. And so I went to France and it was a really isolating experience. It was so fun, educationally so good. Like very glad I got chosen. But also uh, I didn't understand what anyone was saying for at least the mm -hmm. first month that I was there. And there was a guitar in my bedroom. So I learned it myself just and and not to age myself but we didn't have cell phones or really computers back then so mm -hmm. <laughs> if if I wanted to communicate with someone it had to be on like the family computer in the living room so I spent a lot of time in my room learning how to play guitar oh that's so so cool and did it start with uh just like learning other people's songs and like when did it transition till you started to write your own thing Ooh, that's a good question the first song I ever learned on guitar was Pink, uh, was Pink Bullets by The Shins, which cool. is a pretty cool song. Mm -hmm. And I played covers for quite a long time. I used to sing the Arthur theme song at my university student bar. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> in 2014 was when I put out my very first EP, and it was pretty jazzy. And that I think was the first time that I was like, hey, I'm going to call myself a musician now. 
I'm going nice. to actually monetize this as opposed to like whip it out at parties or around a campfire. Yeah. And do you remember how it felt uh, to start performing your own original music? And did you like feel like you, you mentioned you write like a lot of sad songs and stuff like that. Did if you feel vulnerable at all at first to kind of bring that to a stage? Oh, hell yeah. I went to theater school, so I have learned a lot about how to be on stage and how to be a good scene partner and how to express what you're feeling through what you're saying. So every time that I sing one of the songs that I've written, I imagine that I'm singing it to a person, to an actual person who the song may or may not be about. And sometimes that changes over time. Say I've written a love song to one person and then 10 years later, I may have written it about the original person, but I'm singing it to the person who I'm feeling in love with now. Ah, that's cool. And I, I, I don't think like a lot of uh, musicians like that I've talked to, like do that kind of technique. And it's interesting how like your theater life can just kind of push into that realm as well and meld into something and just make it, I don't know, like a way like where you can efficiently perform it to like, the emotions you want to project and everything. I think it helps the song or the performance feel more authentic. Mm. But then I also think it does help you feel less nervous. If you're only singing to one person, you don't have to worry about all the other people. <laughs> yeah. So do you just kind of like say you're in a room with like a hundred people, it blacks out and you just imagine this one person? Yeah. You imagine that one person standing at the very back and the whole time, your goal with singing to that one person in the very back is to get them to turn their head. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. Musicians listening, take notes. That's, that's awesome. Like, especially one... people who get nervous, I feel like that could help a lot. Right? There's this one book, I swear by it, not to plug a book that did not sponsor me, but there's this book called The Music Lesson by Victor Wooten. And he's like a very, very famous bass player. And he gave that advice in the book that if you are playing in a noisy, crowded bar where no one is paying attention to you, choose one person in that bar and without changing anything except for the dynamic of how you're playing, get that one person to turn their head towards you. Wow. And it works. It yeah. works. <laughs> it's almost like you manifest. They could feel it. Like they turn. Mm -hmm. she, is she looking at me while she's playing? Like, oh, that's right? so cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting too. Um, I've dabbled in doing like stand-up comedy and Ooh. it's either went really good or like I bombed a bunch of times. But you're making me remember this one time. It, like it went so well. But all I did was like, I said my first like setup line and mm -hmm. one person like kind of laughed in the middle and I'm like okay you get my style I'm just gonna perform to you and I unconsciously just zoned into this stranger because I'm like okay you're my comfort zone now and it ended right. up like just working like that way too and like I guess I, I did the Brooklyn technique and I didn't even realize till right now <laughs> I wouldn't call it the Brooklyn technique I think you figured that out all on your own yeah that's yeah, brilliant yeah yeah, no, and that's that's uh, it's so cool that you're uh, you got this new single out. Uh, you've put out another one this year as well. Uh, is it mm -hmm. this town won't miss you? Is that the yeah, title? that's what it's called. Okay, great, great. Yeah, are you thinking of like compiling um, some new music into an EP or a full release, or are you just gonna keep doing singles here and there? I think what's happened, especially with the pandemic. Although I also believe we were moving towards this anyway is that unless you have a ton of label support behind you, the concept of a regular album release schedule feels kind of archaic now. It feels old. Mm -hmm. I would rather release every song that I make as a single. That way, people are able to focus their attention on one piece at a time. And it also gives you some freedom to experiment with different sounds without trying to make them feel cohesive in an album format. Ah. So I think what a lot of artists are doing or what I'm really excited about doing is to release singles. And then when it comes time to tour them, a lot of my income before the pandemic came from offstage sales or vinyl sales at gigs is to compile them, but call it a compilation or call it an EP 
but not necessarily treat it as a concept record. Yeah, I think that's a great idea too, especially the way uh, people listen to things now. And even like you mentioned, like about the album too, I find like somebody can release an album and somebody will buy it or start streaming it and they might miss out on some songs that are very special to you because maybe they'll like track one and two and just keep repeating those and those and those so I think that's a great idea to have the full focus on one track and it's like okay everybody sink it in like listen to everything don't don't hit the skip button you know and this is this is what you get for this month I'll be back like next month or in a few weeks or whatever with another one and just yeah do it that way plus I think it gives longevity to an artist who's working on a budget so for myself at certain points in my career I've been able to afford to have a team around me a press person um a social media person, a manager, et cetera. But then there's other times in my career where I can't afford it. So this past release was all uh, myself and my community, but not necessarily anyone I was able to afford hiring out. So for that, each single, you get a little bit more longevity. Putting out a record, people will listen to it for a certain amount of time, and then it's no longer the hot new record. But if you're putting out a single, you can make a single last for a month or two, put out another single, make it last for a couple of months. And then that way, instead of releasing one record that lasts for a short period of time, all of those songs will last for maybe a year or more. And then the offering is the record with maybe one or two singles on it that haven't been heard yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you use the word community. I think that's very important as a indie artist too. Like you said, like sometimes it's so hard to, do everything on your own dime too and it seems like you got a, a strong one you got marie on the art and you mentioned like dan's doing the music he's brilliant oh, yeah. as well and even just a cool guy to hang out with too so that's oh, really yeah. fucking awesome yeah yeah it's great i think that it's great to have a community of people who support you and are interested in in what you're doing um especially when they know where you're coming at in terms of budget like obviously for dan and marie Um, they were paid their regular rate because all of that work was done before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of releasing it, all of the release work, I had to shelf um, some of the people who I was working with because, you know, serve money. It's not. It's (laughs) tough. It's tough out in these streets, Brooklyn. (laughs) Right? And without touring to support yourself, it's hard to have that budget, but I yeah. think touring, it, it will come back soon right now. I'm just playing outdoor gigs, but how are, how are you feeling about events in um, back up nowadays? I've, I feel, I don't know. I've been happy um, going to a couple here and there. Um, I know in Ontario right now, there was a couple shows I wanted to see. And then uh, they changed the law where general emission is not allowed. It has to be. Oh. And so I, I keep noticing like things have been changing, but um mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel comfortable. Um, I got vaxxed. I've, I, Me too. I, I hope it works, you know, yeah, <laughs> so, vaccine. so far so good. And, um, and yeah, it's, um, I feel like I'm, I'm ready for some live music, some live comedy theater. All Me that. too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, but like, obviously like you, it's been like a part of my life, even though like, I'm not a regular performer, just going there. And even like, I'm trying to think like I moved to Toronto and, it was like that was like one of the reasons to be around that and I, I live in between the opera house and the Danforth music hall and Ooh. when COVID hit it's just like I didn't even realize how much of like just going to see live shows was a part of me and then it was just like taken away and I'm just like oh it's like <laughs> what do I do on the weekend now and, uh, I feel that yeah yeah, yeah. so and, much of what Toronto is is the ability to go out and just like dive deep into shows and underground art and comedy and all of that so it's tough to not be able to do it but I think it's coming back slowly and slowly some artists are releasing tours but I've noticed a few of the tours have been shifted to different dates so I'm a little I don't I'm reticent to book full tours right now until I know like yep it will 100% happen because I'm 
I've been burned a few times in trying to book dates and be like, oh no, it's canceled. We can't do it. Uh, yeah, you know? I can imagine. I'm sure like things just keep getting pushed back and back because at the beginning they're like, oh yeah, it's only going to be two weeks. <laughs> and we're like, right? okay, yeah, I'll just hibernate. And I remember even the moment I was, I was so unhappy with like this job I had at the time. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, like this is like a dream. And then uh, almost like two years later, I'm like, okay, I'm over it. <laughs> like, let me go outside. Right? I can't believe it's been two years. Yeah. That's a long I, time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like this for you, but I feel like even like the way just I perceive time over that just, it, it almost feels like it just flew by in a second. Like right? all of a sudden it was like, 2019 and now it's almost like 2022 and it's right? it's like it's like really trips me out like I, I don't know if it's just me and my internal like perception of everything but I just feel like it's just I blinked and it's like oh like I feel the ago. same way yeah it's creepy <laughs> same oh yeah. it's like 2020 didn't count in a way like obviously mm -hmm. it did we lived through it but it's like it happened so fast that it feels like no time passed yeah, for sure, for sure. So I'm I'm sure you're ready to hit the stage when you can. And like you, you told me you were doing like some outdoor shows. And mm -hmm. do you have anything uh, coming up or anything like that? Yeah. So this upcoming week on October 15th, I'll be performing at Man Antler Craft Brewing Company in Bowmanville, Ontario. I love playing at craft breweries. Number one, I am a craft beer fiend. All I do is drink craft beer. I want the hoppiest IPAs. I want like the odiest stouts. I want the weirdest flavors in the porter. I can't do sours. I'm not into a sour, mm -hmm. but like craft beer is my game. So performing at craft breweries, number one, is a lot of my bread and butter because they're beautiful venues to perform in. But two, I get to try the beer, which just the yeah on top that's that's the real reason you're going to these that's the real reason yeah. yeah i'm the same way too and um we're blessed like in the city to have like so many breweries and there's this more and more popping up everywhere and even i noticed like our liquor stores different from like downtown like i'll just walk down the aisles and i'll just get stuff with like really cool labels and uh, i'm Thanks. like i guess it's an ipa it's cool like you said get like a weird stout here and there i'm just picking yeah. the stuff with the coolest labels and right why it's not fun. it's so fun what's your favorite beer that you like to drink oh i, I don't think i have a set favorite i go through waves where i'll find a new one and then I'll have that for a while and then I'll try something new. But um, I've always been going back to a lot of like the collective art stuff. Oh um, yeah, they're so good. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're based out of Hamilton. Um, I, I do videography on the side too. Uh, used to for like live events and I did a bunch of sponsored shows by them, I, which I thought, or I think that's what got me hooked just being able to have the free beer and stuff like that. So I'm like, this is a great company. You know? right they yeah. have some pretty good beer i like lunch money that's my favorite from that brand oh, that's a good one too mm -hmm. and i also think it's really cool that they get local artists to design all their cans yeah that's it's so cool it's like there's such like a community going with it too um have you ever seen um the blood brothers one? Oh, i love blood brothers yeah so I, good actually Speaking of Marie, she sent me a package of Blood Brothers. <laughs> this is randomly because uh, I saw she got like a Nintendo Switch. Oh my gosh. Why do I, I know this story already. Okay, continue. Okay, yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> there, she had a poll of what games to get. And one was like one of my favorite games, Zelda Breath of the Wild. And uh -huh. it, lost, it lost the poll. And I got so outraged. I mailed her my copy. And I'm like, you're, you're, everybody on your Instagram is wrong. You need to play <laughs> this game. And then she ended up just sending me that beer package. And it was so I love that. I feel like I was there when that happened. When she I got the like, game. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. so funny what but what one i can't remember who won oh uh who wanted her to get animal crossing yeah animal crossing or something but yeah that's okay. right for people listening uh brooklyn's shaking her head right now and i agree <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is is i'm are you much of a gamer i'm a hardcore gamer as well yeah me too me too okay so i mostly play desktop pc games i'm mm. I, cultured I, woman just a, yeah i'm a steam girl i hell yeah stream, i sometimes stream on twitch so oh, yeah. 
I, I love open concept world games. So I understand mm -hmm. the hype behind Animal Crossing. I am the kind of player that wants to decorate my cute little house, mm -hmm. but I want to decorate my cute little house in a game in which you're not supposed to be decorating your cute little house. <laughs> so I, my favorite game of all time is this game called Stardew Valley. Have you ever played Stardew Valley? I've, I've heard the name, but I've never played it before. It's like a very cute Farmville-esque game where you own a little farm and you take care of your animals and you're just supposed to be making like money you just want to make a lot of money you want to like reach your goals of like how many apples can you harvest how many um like demons can you slay in the caves or whatever but like there is an option to make little outfits for your character but like that's not at all the point of the game they don't you don't get rewarded <laughs> but, but you'll like spend hours just like i gotta look oh, good yeah. today <laughs> i was also like very deep into Morrowind Skyrim world for a uh, while. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, for listeners who are not gamers, is basically a role playing game uh, where you have to, like, become a dragon slayer or, like, have the voice of a dragon. And, like, you just defeat bad guys in medieval times with magic. Mm -hmm. And in that game, I would just walk out in the fields and just gather as many flowers and herbs that no one needs for anything and then I would go into the town and just make soup and then talk to everyone <laughs> in the town I would just talk to every single person in the town and not do the quest at all I would just like to talk to people in the town yeah it's just like a hang but that's cool that's part of your experience especially those games are so immersive too when you make your character and it's like but as soon as you give me Animal Crossing where they're like the point is to talk to everyone in town I'm like I don't want to do that yeah, yeah, you're because you're a rebel, you know. It's like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I love that so much. Okay, so if you had to pick a PC game, what would be your favorite game to be playing? Um, right now I've been playing a lot of indie games, which Ooh, um, I burn through them real quick because they're like really short. But um, mm -hmm. recent one I uh, I started playing was. Uh, katana zero i don't know if you heard of it no it's more like a 2d like side scroller type thing and it Aww. reminds me of like more of like an nes style type thing going on but okay. with the power of a pc behind it so there's like even though it's like 2d there's no limitations like the games i used to play back in the day and there's like intricate like all these fighting and stuff and uh i like a lot of games in the genre they call them metroidvanias i don't know if you're familiar Ooh, with that. what does that mean okay so it's um it's almost like a side scroller, but open world. And okay. it comes from the, the two games, uh, Super Metroid back in the day and okay. this Castlevania game, which there's so many people just ripping off this style. So they call it Metroidvania. And some okay. are like really good. And some are like kind of more action based. And some are more just like artsy, like beautiful, like where it's like more calmer just going through. And yeah, it's a. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's crazy. <laughs> I, I feel like people are really learning a lot about my nerdum right now too. This Wait, is awesome. there you go. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about open world video games, 2D scrollers. Oh yeah. I like yeah. that. I've been playing a game right now called Night in the Woods. It's also an indie game. My favorite indie Whoa. game brand is called Annapurna. They make very cool games. You can buy all of their games for like 60 bucks on Steam right now. And oh, nice. basically you are a tiny cute cat and you are gay, I think. You're like a cute little lesbian cat, which is beautiful for me. And mm -hmm. you are in a band. So you have to play a lot mm -hmm. of like levels where you are playing bass in a band. And it's a very Scott Pilgrim versus the world, if that's oh, a reference. That's really cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Uh, what's, what's, uh, where can people find your Twitch stream as well? Oh, it's just under my name, Brooklyn Doran. And I don't, I used to stream there every day during the pandemic, but now it's just when I get a chance. Yeah, awesome. I actually, uh, I was experimenting with uh, streaming. Uh, I started doing like Facebook gaming. It's like, it's like Twitch, but the algorithm's a little better because nobody's there. So they try to like push it. And I did that for a while. And I'm like, I feel like Twitch is just more of a fun community. So I did my first Twitch stream last week, actually. Ooh, yeah, we should, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to watch it. 
Yeah, you too. You too. <laughs> I'll raid you with the two people who follow me. <laughs> oh, same. I'll raid you with my two people. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's so cool. And uh, do you ever like if you're playing a game, do you ever does it ever cross with your music? Do you ever get inspiration from gaming? Sometimes. Or is it separate? Yeah. I tend to play games that are definitely rooted. I like indie games because I'm an indie musician. So I like to support small game developers, small authors who are just creating honestly some of the best work that's just not hyped by a big studio. Yeah, yeah. There's so many hidden gems and I'm like, these games are so better than some games I pay like $80 for, you know? It's, it's like, the same as it's like It's like music. art, you know? There's nothing like, they have no restrictions and can do whatever they want and make something unique and uh, Right? I think that that's, it's very much like music in that once you start looking for unsigned or independent work, you start finding stuff that's really out of the box and really pushes the envelope. So I relate to games and music in that. Secondly, I try to play games where at least one of the characters is queer in some way. So that is a big one for me because I really like, uh, well, I am a queer artist, but I like to support other queer artists in any genre. And then I guess the third thing is I love playing games about music or mm. about musicians and the soundtracks of those games are done by really accomplished musicians that I think sometimes get overlooked because it's a soundtrack. I'm using quotation marks, but some soundtracks to video games are as valid, like, any soundtrack to a video game is as valid as another piece of music, but you could pitch some of those songs as actual mainstream releases. Yeah, yeah. And even like some of these games, um, there's one game um, by this indie company I love called uh, Devolver. And okay. they play, they, they make like a lot of like really like violent shit and just like, they, this company's just like doesn't give a fuck and that's what I love about it but uh yeah. there was one game um they made a or a series called Hotline Miami and it had a okay. bunch of like synth wave in it Ooh, and cool. a lot of these artists I heard like so many years ago on this game they're huge now like uh I don't know if you're familiar with like Carpenter Brutton like oh no. uh, so they, these guys do like arenas now but like back when this game was like an indie game, it was just like, yeah. they were just finding like all these artists who kind of made like the eighties sounding synth wave things. And now it's oh, like- that's so cool. The It was almost ahead of like the resurgence of synth wave. And now it's like blown up. And I, I hear people who aren't even like gamers, like play music from these, these, these oh, artists. Cool. And I'm like, oh, that's from like, that game and they don't know what I'm talking about they're just like no I just like dance music <laughs> that's yeah. so cool though that overlap is really interesting I think mm -hmm. yeah. and there's a game I'm playing well I've played it a lot it's a game called dream daddy which is a game about being like a very sensual gay man uh who is trying to date other dads like you play a hot dad <laughs> and you're trying to date other dogs and I think it was designed by, it must have been designed by a Canadian game designer because one of the dads, the coffee shop dad, is a huge fan of Pup, the Toronto oh, Man Pup. Yeah, and yeah. they talk about it in the game and then play a Pup song. Oh, interesting. And I was like, what? That's so wild. Just that crossover is really cool. Yeah, it's like, it all connects. <laughs> right? And I feel like more and more artists are going to be making music that feels in the realm of movie score, game score, single release or album. They, they'll all collide, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because why not? And especially like uh, now it's easier for independent people to release things like I guess um, I heard like on Steam too, like it's very simple to put your game up if you have one and which is, I think that's a beautiful thing. It's almost like it's turning into like the YouTube of game developers. It's like, oh, you got something you yeah. can just kind of drag and drop it and like set your price type of thing. And yeah, yeah. have you it's ever so played cool. the, oh, sorry to cut you off, but uh, have you ever played the game Celeste? <gasps> I love that game. Okay, yeah. Uh, I 
beat it like years ago and i played it over and over again and like speaking of like um gay representation in in video games i didn't know the main character was trans until like last week somebody posted like a little article and the game doesn't like kind of like shove it down your throat that Mm -hmm. she's trans it's just like a little uh minor detail in the background you see her room and her desk and there's like a picture of her as a kid and uh she she looks like more uh masculine like a little boy and stuff and i'm like Mm -hmm. oh that's so cool and interesting just a little subtle thing and then somebody i saw like just like a thread on twitter like somebody tagged the developer and asking and they're like oh yeah yeah we just we threw that in there she's like definitely a, a trans character and everybody's like oh that's that's cool we uh, we assume she was just a girl but it's like that representation but not uh i don't know just like kind of like jamming it down your throat like this is pro right. trans it was like a very natural and i think that's beautiful yeah and i think that it's really cool to like move more and more like organically in the representation of queer people in video games and movie and in the media in general that it's like I think about this relating back to myself as a queer artist and musician Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel um pigeonholed into only writing queer music I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a queer artist that just wrote a song about a shitty man you know what I mean so it's like I think that it's important to acknowledge queerness, to acknowledge transness and to put a spotlight on those characters, but also to make sure that it's done in a way where that's not the entirety of the character's arc. It's like a facet of the character, not the whole thing about them. I think Mm. that that's important. I think Celeste does that really well. Yeah, most definitely. And once again, great music as well. Yeah. I got I got the I got the soundtrack on my uh on my Spotify of Celeste and it's there's some bangers on that one right <laughs> yeah so good yeah no, and it's cool to kind of like hear uh, all these these different layers to uh your music and um just the way you express yourself and stuff like that too because once again like uh like you mentioned um like you, you wrote a song about this guy or whatever it's like uh it's not like on the the surface that you're you're repping like, like I'm a queer artist or whatever. You're just open yeah. to write whatever comes to you and uh, mm-hmm. everything like that. Are you are you uh, working on any other singles right now? Or I have a couple of things in the works. I have two yeah. singles that we wrote, recorded, mixed, mastered, and I'm just sitting on them. We we made them in 2019 with the plan of putting out a record in 2020, and then obviously the pandemic hit, our priority shifted, and I'm thinking more towards releasing single by single and maybe doing compilations. So I have two songs that are totally done that need to be released at some point. And then I have two other songs that I'm in the studio at Double Car Recording with Dan, uh, working on finishing up. Nice, nice. And uh, when you make a song too, are you thinking at the same time oh, I'm gonna need to make a music video for this or you think like because uh, I know you got the theater background as well uh, yeah you try to like make it as like epic as possible or do you just or does it depend on what it is like the song or? I think it depends I know that when I'm in the process of writing a song the only thing that I'm thinking about is that song just mm-hmm. only the lyrics and the music and the arrangement and the sound and then once the song is complete then I like start making mood boards, start thinking about how I want it to be released. We didn't do a video for Fuck That Guy because I didn't have a lot of budget around it. And also because uh, there are swears in the title, Mm -hmm. the opening line, the bridge, the everything. So many, I'd say fuck a lot of times. So it's hard to get that video picked up by uh, television or radio or traditional media. So that's why um, it's so important with this song that I'm reaching out to podcasts and blogs and Instagram accounts and TikTokers and Twitch streamers to try and get as much community support in an avenue where we don't have to censor ourselves and we mm-hmm. can't say the word fuck a lot because that is the song. Yeah, yeah. And that that's really cool. And it's 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 crazy too. Even I noticed uh YouTube changed their ways as well, where 
they'll pick up keywords like if you keep saying fuck over and over and actually like bury your video in the algorithms and oh yeah yeah and it keeps changing like the rules too like one week it'll be okay to do that and you'll see one rap song pop off with like a million fucks in it and then all of a sudden they'll decide it's like okay we're gonna overly censor stuff and it's so tricky as an indie artist to get your thing out there especially when you have like something quality and like I almost feel like there's it's there's too much saturation with everything and uh trying to chip through that but it's cool that you're actively doing like podcasts and reaching out to blogs and everything because I feel like that's that's important and it's also important as a small artist to be able to do what you can with your community I think it's a team effort Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, people want to do the payola thing. They want to get on the big playlist. They want to care about that. But if you're not caring about, it's kind of like an iceberg, right? So at the top of the iceberg are the folks who are a bit of a gatekeepers to the industry for then choosing to pick up your song or not makes or breaks what's happening to you. But then right below the surface, there's this huge part of the iceberg that's all your community that's supporting Mm -hmm. you. That's the smaller blogs, the smaller podcasts, the magazines, the zines, uh, the small YouTube channels, the small playlisters all together become much more powerful than dude at the top who can make or break your career. You can break through those people if you have enough community support underneath you to hold you up yeah you make something uh and build something that just people can't ignore you know it's just and I even remember when I first moved to Toronto and I was doing videography and all these art scene and I I was deep in like the hip-hop scene as well and about like around like 10 years ago or so they used to like call Toronto the screw face capital because nobody would like support each other and I even noticed like on hip hop shows, like people were like, kind of like shit talking other artists, like, why did he get this and this? And I feel like the city has changed and evolved with like the next generation where I just noticed so many people helping each other and mm-hmm. just like-minded people coming together. And for example, too, and even like people just being one degree of separation too, like, like, you know, my people and I know your people and we never yeah. even met before and uh I don't know there's something really nice happening right now and I feel like um I w- I wish like I know more venues could be thriving right now but of course we're like in this situation but right. I feel like the day when things can quote unquote quote uh normalize again I feel like there's going to be a just like a a great energy to it where people are going to be going to shows and just very enthusiastic about just seeing music comedy like whatever is happening in the in the city I think so I I also think that like in a lot of ways the city of Toronto and their music scenes are still a little bit screw face in that number one our faces are like all screwed up because everyone is so great at playing their instruments but also there is a little (laughs) bit of like trampling on others to succeed Mm. but I think with that comes and I guess what goes back bookends are the discussion at the beginning is that those folks who are going out of their way to trample someone on their road to success they don't have that community support behind them they're burning a lot of bridges with people to reach that success which means Mm -hmm. that you know ultimately that's on them they're not going to really do much with themselves and then the folks that I see who are grinding really hard and hustling but who are also making sure to get out and support their friends and be kind to everyone that they're working with those are the people who truly have longevity versus like a spike in success at the outset yeah you're you're totally right like one person could have one single pop off but they fucked everybody over to get there and then it's when they're trying to keep it going and going and maybe releasing little EPs here and there and everyone's gonna be like oh I don't want to help you or support that and then (laughs) they're just left alone in the darkness where I find like even like some people um they can survive off just 
only being an artist, but not even having the radio hit, you know, it just having that yeah. following. And I, I, I think that's such a beautiful thing as well. Agreed. I think so. And the internet is such a fickle place too, that you could be an internet superstar in a second and then have no one care about your next release. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think ultimately it's the most important to keep trucking and pushing your your ball up the hill slowly so that you know that the people who are behind you are always there to catch you. Yeah, definitely. I also feel like there's a lot of power in being your authentic self as well. Yeah. I feel like that's always what stands out to me is when, because everybody's their own person and people could never replicate that. And if somehow people can hone that into their music or if they're a filmmaker and comedian, whatever example I can put out there, it's like, it's gonna be unique in its own thing. But sometimes it takes a while to find that. But uh, yeah, I feel, I, I feel like so powerful when you when somebody I, finds that. Yeah, sorry, I was talking over you. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> I think there's like a little, sometimes with a Zoom, there's a little delay, but but yeah, yeah. What were you gonna say? I'm just getting excited about our conversation. Yeah. I I really resonate with what you're saying. I also think that it's like, as artists and musicians, we know when we're being bullshitted. Mm -hmm. So I have so much respect for a comedian or an artist. Uh, or a musician who's gone out and said, hey, fuck, I just played to the bartender and two guys tonight. And like, that was shitty, but like, this is the gig that I played versus someone who would play that exact same gig and be like, oh my God, packed house tonight. Yeah. Thank you so much everyone for coming. It's like, no, we can tell by your like weird grainy photograph over one guy's shoulder that no one was there. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it like doesn't delegitimize you as an artist to admit sometimes when, oh, fuck, I slept in my car. Oops, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that like some people are vulnerable to talk about that part of the journey. It's almost like they, they're like, oh, I hope I'm, I'm here, like way up superstar status, but you're not there yet. And I respect people. Like if I hear somebody slept in their car, played for the bartender and just like, did it the next day again I'm like yo keep going like I'm already I'm cheering for you like you're like really about this shit you know right yeah I agree and it's also it speaks to like the resiliency of that artist but then it also speaks to you know bullshitting artists that I think it's kind of damaging if I was like a young person looking up to someone you know who on Instagram had like not very many followers who didn't have a ton of Spotify streams, who was acting as though they had made it. I would think, okay, I can do this too. It's not that hard because what they're trying to say is like, oh, hey, I've made it. I'm showing no struggle at all to get mm -hmm. to the place where I am. It just like magically happened. I'm magically like fancy and famous when in reality, like, no, you're not. You're the same as the other artists who are grinding and admitting to that. Mm -hmm. I just think it's tough for young people who are like, oh, I can be a musician too. And you're like, well, okay, sometimes you're going to sleep in your car. Sometimes you're going to play to yeah. just the bartender. Sometimes you're not going to get the grant right away, you know? Yeah, yeah. And just almost have like those false uh, sense of what's going to happen in their future if they pursue this path and everything. And yeah, that's why I always love when people are, are honest about the struggles or whatever. And even um, I've had some bigger names on my show. And this is one example uh, I use, uh, uh, Biff Naked's been on a few times. And mm -hmm. um, she even told me now it's like, uh, oh, people like hear me on the radio or whatever. And she'd be like, you'd be so surprised about like how many people who are in the mainstream who also have a day job as well. And, and like, right. she has like her side hustles, like doing like CBD oil. And even like yeah. when I, when I first moved to Toronto, I was, uh, I was filming for a battle rap league as well. Oh, cool. And, um, was it King of the Dot? It's, it was King of the Dot as well. <laughs> Uh, you're so hip to the to the streets Brooklyn <laughs> yeah but uh yeah long story short too it's uh there was a couple episodes or a couple uh events where um Drake started watching our stuff coming out like sponsoring me events and I had a picture with him and 
Nice. All my friends were like hitting me up. It's like, oh, I, like with these messages, like, oh, I can't believe you made it and blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, I have an eviction notice on my door right now. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's again, it's, and it's almost like it was my fault for making that perception. It was like what I was posting online that well, everything's all good. Toronto's most famous lesbian. So, yeah, <laughs> facts, but, uh, <laughs> at that time I was just like trying to like post so much shit where it's like almost like a, in a self-conscious way where oh I'm doing great guys like look at me look at me look at me look at me and um almost like I don't know if it was a like I didn't want people to worry about my real situation or just almost feeling like a failure in certain ways too because I, yeah. I took a lot of risks to uh kind of follow my passions in a way and some people like family members are like oh I don't think this is a good idea I was like oh I'll be fine and then all of a sudden oh I'm not fine but <laughs> here's all these pictures but I always that's something I don't do anymore like I'm just very real and I I always love when people are just very real about their story and passions and like journey and stuff like that like going back to what you said like sleeping in the car or whatever like yeah, I feel like well, people need really, to know that like that's a vulnerable thing to share I'm glad you shared that with me Oh yeah, and definitely. our audience today, but like same, same. Yeah, it's life, you know. This, I heard this quote once, and I can't remember who said it, but maybe I said it. I don't know. Someone said it at one point, and it was, um, award-winning artists don't talk about the amount of awards they have. They don't talk about. They don't know how many awards. They, you know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. Like if you are, if you are truly like that successful, then you don't need to go out of your way to say how successful you are mm, yeah you just aren't happy because you are successful you know what I mean but yeah, yeah. Also, I'm sure a lot of successful people are not happy because I'm sure they've had to compromise a lot of who they are in order mm -hmm. to get to the level of success that they're at yeah me too for sure yeah for sure for sure and even I, I feel like sometimes uh a lot of like successful people I know too it's almost they don't like you talked about, like, they don't know how many awards they have. And mm. it's almost like the reason why they're so successful is because they're thinking so far ahead. And like, they almost yeah. don't stop to celebrate the moment or the great thing they did, because it's like, okay, on to the next one. It's almost like this. Uh, it's like a yin yang thing going on with the pros yeah. and cons. It's almost like a tortured person just like, okay, right? I gotta keep going, keep going. It's just like, yo, stop and just enjoy this thing you made or just overly critical about like stuff people love as well and I'm so guilty of that too mm -hmm. for yeah. example with this release um this is a humble brag but I was really excited that in the first 24 hours of fuck that guy being released we got a thousand streams on Spotify that's awesome which is an amazing big yeah. deal to me I've never had another song of mine in like my 10 plus years of releasing music hit a thousand streams in one day um, but I remember this was a couple of days ago. I felt weird posting that as a pillar to be mm. like, yay, we're celebrating a thousand streams because a lot of my friends are artists who will get 20,000 streams in a day. We'll get so many more streams in a day. And I was like, oh, well, like, does that, I want to position myself to feel equal to my friends who are getting much more streams. If I celebrate this thing that feels small in comparison to what they're doing but big for me does that like make us feel less equal or less on the same playing field but like ultimately like yeah I should be sitting back and thinking oh hey that was a really big deal that was awesome I'm glad yeah because it was awesome but I totally get your internal narrative I'm so guilty of stuff like that too and it's just I think um just creatives are naturally like overthinkers too. Like for mm -hmm. one moment you're celebrating something. And then if I, I also feel like if you start comparing yourself to other people, that's when it leads to, or within me, like that's what leads into like unhappiness and stuff like that. When really you got to kind of remind yourself, Oh, I'm, I'm on my own journey. And this is a victory here. This is like the yeah. next step, you know, but and also, I think the people in my life, at least, who are whose work is getting many more streams than I, 
probably would look at my post being like, yay, a thousand streams, being like, yeah, buddy, like, good job. Not thinking like, oh no, she's much less than me. Yeah. 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 No, <laughs> like they're honestly like cheering for you. But I, I find sometimes just like the human experience will think about like, people judging us all the time when yeah. really they're not and like I'm the king of beating myself up <laughs> like, it's, right? so, it's so yeah. bad but but um I feel like um I'm slowly getting better at it too and hopefully you don't do it too much either Brooklyn because so. you make great shit that. you're killing it you're killing it and, thank you as are you oh uh, thank you thank you <laughs> and we'll, we'll have to do more of these around your release this is a uh, yeah, fun this talk. is so fun. I like being on this podcast. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, you can, like you can hanging see. out with a friend. Yeah, yeah. I'm like such a, I don't know. I feel like I'm addicted to like deep conversations too. And like sometimes I'll I'll throw a little like uh, softballs to different guests. And sometimes they don't want to go down that route. But every time I threw you one, it's like, okay, we're in the, the zone. We're doing about it. Yeah. Vulnerabilities and everything. <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. I'm yeah. all about that life. Yeah, no, that's so awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's finally, it's finally uh, nice to meet you too. It's like, just yeah. knowing people who know you, I knew this was going to be an awesome conversation. Like, when all five your star reviews, good five star <laughs> Yelp reviews on on Brooklyn as a person. So Aww. you vetted me, you reached out and you're like, who is this bitch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's cool. But uh, yeah. Uh, let's see what time it is. Yeah, I, I usually like to keep these an hour, even though I feel like I could keep talking to you for hours and hours. Uh, I find people's attention spans oh, kind of dip. <laughs> but uh, next time you you do a release or anything, you're welcome back on. And, uh, yes, let's do it. Yeah, even be the co-host. Fuck it. <laughs> okay, fuck it. Let's do, we'll do one all about video games. Yes, that'd be a lot of fun. Actually, I think I might have an indie gamer guest come up pretty soon Ooh, and uh great. and yeah yeah if that gets locked in uh i'll show you the game and if you want to jump on and ask some questions you're welcome to as well oh that would be so fun yeah hell yeah That's, i would love that yeah yeah but thanks for your time tonight brooklyn i really appreciate that this is an awesome no problem. episode thanks for having me Ah, what an awesome talk. We're going to have to get her back on this show again. Felt like I could have talked to that girl forever. And like we mentioned, the song Fuck That Guy is out right now. Get it on your iTunes, get it on your Spotify, wherever you listen to music. And also follow Brooklyn on her Instagram, her YouTube. It's just her name, Brooklyn Doran. So do that and just be a fucking awesome person. And speaking of fucking awesome people, before we go, we gotta give a special thanks to everybody on the Patreon. All you legends. First up, the co-producer, Jeremy Hopkin of Hopkin Design. The queen, Ola Mazuka of Sonic Fold. Ryan Watkins of Ryan Radio, Amanda McKnight of Top 10 Nerd, Pat Maloney, Ryan Campbell, Danielson, Drew Stewart, Devin Staple, Mike Ulio, David Carney, Jared Pepper Bronstein, aka Mr. Spicy. Oh my god, he's so hot. And <laughs> oh my god, I'm going off the rails with this one. <laughs> and last but not least, Francis Goffer, aka my mom. And if you want to support yourself, get all these episodes extra early and get a shout out at the end of the show. It's only $3 a month at the lowest tier, and you get everything. But if you want to help your boy out, just go to patreon.com slash the creative imbalance. And I will appreciate that so much. Also, I feel like I need to mention because 98% of you listen to the audio versions of this, that we also have a YouTube channel. So if you want to watch these conversations, you can find the creative imbalance there. I don't plug it enough. We had it for a year and I never talk about it. <laughs> but even if you still want to listen, just go over there and, and hit the sub button. And I believe that's all my orders and directions I need to say to you. <laughs> but like always, thanks for listening. I appreciate that so, 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 so much. And like every time we have a musical guest on, we're going to end it with a song. So here's Brooklyn Doran with her latest hit, Fuck That Guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy.